You're listening to the AW360 Podcast, presented by Advertising Week. In this episode, we speak with Jerry Buris and Nick Blencart of Imagination, an independent design company focused on immersive experiences. And what could be more immersive than the metaverse? Jerry and Nick describe how brands can get involved in the metaverse and shine a light on some of the more elusive components of our exciting Web3 future. Nick and Jerry, welcome to the AW360 podcast. Thanks for being on today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You're both at Imagination. Tell me a little bit about Imagination and what you guys do. Jerry, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, So Imagination is a a global experience agency um, founded on this principle of of independent creativity. Um, And our our ambition is really to create ideas and experiences that um, stay, change the status quo um, and to to get to sort of unexpected ideas where we start really with unexpected combinations from strategic thinkers, creative technologists, architects, um, all the way through to practical makers. And I think the fact that we develop exciting ideas and deliver them, um, we think makes us really unique. And um, I look after our creative offer here at Imagination, predominantly in Europe, but also working with some international clients. And Nick, you're sort of the strategy side of this this group? Yeah, that's right. So Jerry and I work, work really closely. And I think it's one of the things that really differentiates Imagination is that we don't just dive straight into ideas. We do a lot of work um, into kind of understanding our clients' businesses, how they work, some of the problems that exist within them, but also understand their audiences and what they're trying to to do to serve them better. Um, So there's a lot of kind of strategic thinking that goes into our process that then gets fed into our creative teams to make sure that what we then end up creating and making um, is actually serving the businesses and the problems of our clients. As I understand it, you guys work both sort of on the, the virtual side, the physical side, pretty much all sides. Is that is that right? Yeah, um, I think, you know, uh, our, our background is very much experience. And, and I think, obviously, we're 50 years old and we were born from uh, sort of the theater, if you will. But I think as the industry has evolved, so have we. And, and experiences aren't just analog anymore. I think they're hybrid as well as digital. And so we've kind of really tried to own that industry and category. And, and we've shifted sort of very much into digital and really trying to sort of engage with people and, 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 and allow them to spend time with brands. And, and I think to this day, uh, you know, it, it, it sort of sits across lots of different channels, not just the physical. Um, so, yeah, so we, we, we tend to play across all of them. One of my things I'm most excited about when it comes to experience, I'm pretty much the same age group as you are. I've been waiting for this my entire life, I think. I hope I have been. VR has been sort of that thing that's been promised for years. It's finally more or less here, but probably more so than that is the idea of the metaverse. What are you guys looking at in the metaverse and sort of the, the possibilities that opens up? Um, I think there's there's obviously a lot of, of, of hype around it at the moment. And um, you're seeing a lot of commentary um, and a lot of brands kind of trying to experiment in that space, which is which is great. Um, and I think there's there's kind of the, the long term ambition of what people use when they use these terms like the metaverse and Web3 um, of, you know, this world where you've got kind of interoperable kind of different virtual spaces that you can move through kind of seamlessly um, with an avatar um, and that's going to replace you know login details and profiles we're still a fair way off that um, you know we still exist in a world that's dominated by you know massive tech companies that are famous for 
not collaborating that well. Um, so I think, you know, there are some big kind of hurdles to overcome before we get to that kind of utopia. Um, but, you know, in the short term, we've got lots of existing platforms that have got huge popularity um, and, and user uh, and user bases um, that have a lot of the characteristics that I think people attribute to this idea of the metaverse, you know, mass multiplayer virtual worlds where you have an avatar and that avatar can be dressed in, you know, NFTs and digital items that you own. Um, you know, some of those are the building blocks of, of where we're going to get to. And they're obviously really, really exciting for brands because um, when you look at things like, you know, the Travis Scott performance in Fortnite, there were, there was over a hundred million viewers of that. Um, and, and to be able to get that reach from essentially an experience is something that is, unprecedented really you know that's where um, for us it's a really interesting space because the we know and we fundamentally believe in the power of experiences that's kind of as Jerry said where we kind of grew from um, but in the in the physical world you're you're kind of restricted to the number of people that you can kind of deliver an experience for at any one moment in time um, but with you know with a virtual experience or a virtual and fully immersive virtual space like Fortnite or Roblox or Minecraft, any of these kind of emerging platforms, um, you're you're really kind of unshackled by uh, the amount of people that you can create this kind of immersive, really impactful experience for. Um, so yeah, I think in the short term, like brands that are being really successful in experimenting in this space are realizing the power of, uh, you know, what you can get from an experience in that, you know, it, it creates memories and uh, affinity to a brand in a way that you know, any kind of, you know, traditional piece of advertising or content um, that is more passive might do. Um, but it does that on a on a scale and a reach that you can't get um, anywhere else. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of what's really interesting for us and some of the brands that we're kind of working with at the moment. Going back to the idea that many of these platforms don't necessarily get along very well or play nice together, let's say. You have one of the largest platforms has renamed themselves as, for lack of a better word, a commitment to the metaverse. And along with that, they, you know, we're going to sell, you know, NFTs of, of clothing, you know, for your virtual avatar. Meanwhile, you know, I go over to Fortnite and I see this has been going on for quite some time. So it's not necessarily this earth shattering, groundbreaking thing that I think they're hoping it'll look like. What sort of challenges does that pose to you guys trying to make creative within that space when you have these different ideas of what the metaverse actually is? I mean, on one hand, you would think it would open up a lot of possibilities. On the other hand, you would think maybe this just makes everything more difficult because it's so cloudy. Yeah, I, I, I saw a really interesting stat um, today in Second Life, which you know was arguably one of the first sort of examples of the metaverse had its 20-year anniversary um, this year. So, so I think that almost demonstrates sort of how complex this problem is, right? That they've been trying to solve that for, for an incredibly long period of time. Um, I, I think at the moment, sort of back to kind of Nick's point, you know, the metaverse is this kind of, it is very cloudy and, and it's all of these different ideas and platforms and so forth kind of all merged into one. It's more of an ambition than I think a reality at the moment. Um, I think the important thing is that we, we know it's kind of headed in this sort of really exciting um, direction, but, but no one really quite knows and everyone's trying to really sort of get a, a, a hold of it and, and figure out like what to do 
how to interact, how to engage with, with users to, again, looking at kind of interoperability, how to kind of jump from one platform to another, all of these things. And I think what makes that really exciting creatively is, is that it, it's almost back to when, when the web first began and we were really just exploring and experimenting. And I think that led to really exciting creativity because we weren't always data-driven. We weren't, you know, the rules weren't written. So we got to really play and be experimental. And I think that's that's the real exciting part, I think, for brands at the moment in that no one really knows what the answer is, but they do know they have to be in that space. They have to try things out. They have to learn. And 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 I think that's really sort of leading to, to some amazing work that, that's getting done out there. And sometimes it pays off. It's brilliant. Other times it doesn't. But But that's okay because I think right now just to be in this space is really, really exciting. And eventually all of those learnings, I think will come to fruition when it matures and when I think the path becomes a lot clearer. And, and Nick, when it comes to the strategy around all of this, and let's keep this at a very high level for, for myself and the listener both, but when you're approaching the strategy, say, say a brand comes in and says to you, you know, I, I think we want to dip our toe in the metaverse. What's the direction you go? I mean, if it's you know, I don't know, maybe let, let's say a food brand, for example, you know, what is the strategy around that? What do you look for? Where do you sort of point them? Yeah, I think it really does depend on what category you're in. So you're right to the first thing you do is to, to really understand who your uh, kind of competitors are and how people interact with your brand traditionally, because that really is going to shape the opportunities available to you. And I think we've we've really seen like the the big early adopters of um, you know moving into this space have been luxury fashion, um, you know, luxury brands or or, or streetwear, um, where you know there's a really tangible expression of your brand that can be easily applied to um, a digital version of yourself. Um, so, you know, you've seen pretty much every, especially luxury um, fashion brand kind of do something in, be it an existing platform like Roblox or Fortnite, or indeed building their own kind of fully fledged uh, virtual experiences like Balenciaga and Louis Vuitton um, created one as well. Um, and that really is because the, the, the nature of their products that are kind of highly desirable, they lend themselves really nicely to a slightly more accessible version of something that is still incredibly premium and exclusive. Um, so I think, you know, there's some really clear, obvious applications for brands like that. Um, when it comes to, you know, yeah, things like food brands or, or, or FMCG, where the, the nature of your product is around uh, the sensory experience of it, um, then it's, it's potentially a little bit trickier and you have to maybe work a bit harder to either forge partnerships with existing projects where there's some kind of kind of tangential link there, um, or you you look within your business and understand uh, what kind of assets of value you have already that could be repurposed um, in certain ways. And you've seen that with brands like Pepsi or uh, Coca-Cola, both of those have experimented with NFTs, Coca-Cola very successfully um, with a, a, a digital locker essentially of items that um, it got put up for auction, actually sold for about half a million dollars. 
Um, and within that locker, you had a jacket that you could wear within um, a platform called Decentraland um, and a number of other um, little kind of unlockable um, kind of items. Um, and that was all based around uh, Friendship Day, um, which is obviously you know, a big initiative for Coca-Cola. So there was a relevant tie in there. Um, but I think they recognized the fact that um, as a brand, there is some kind of, you know, there's obviously a huge recognition and desirability there if, if positioned in the right way. Um, and I think they were really smart in the way that they kind of repurposed the brand that, you know, is, um, is, is essentially something that is a, a taste-based product, but they recognize that there are other ways of applying their, their brand equity um, in a way that can add value and utility in various different um, different ways. Um, so I think I think strategically that really is is the decision that you need to make. It's you know looking at your product or your service, understanding the value that it gives people in the real world, and often those same motivations exist um, in these virtual spaces as well. Um, and you really have to just understand what kind of what value your brand has and can be attributed when you sort of take it from the real world into the virtual world. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the, they're the sort of high level conversations that we have with brands at the very beginning when they think about, you know, what can we do in this space? Uh, what is right for our brand and what's right for our audiences? The first thing we do is kind of look at the category, look at the business and the brand and what value it contains. Um, and then from there, you can really clearly kind of go in different directions. And Jerry, on the, the same topic, what about the creative side? Um, I think sort of Nick made a good point there in that we, we always look for relevance and utility. And I think, you know, you can't just drop a, a product into the metaverse, into a game without giving it any meaningful function. So I think, you know, a good example uh, recently was uh, Ferrari um, released one of its vehicles within Fortnite. And and you know what? What they built around that experience was you, as a player, you had to find the vehicle. Once you found the vehicle, then that vehicle um, sort of allowed you to complete a certain set of challenges, which progressed you through the game. And so I think you got to experience that vehicle in a really positive way, right? You couldn't have just dropped a random object within the game and and expect that object to have any impact. And so I think we always think about. Um, what is the product that, that we're tasked with promoting or the product that um, a particular brand wants to sort of put into one of these environments? And then we think about, well, how do we um, make that product valuable within that world? So that, you know, whether you're putting something into Fortnite or Roblox or Decentraland or turning it into an NFT, you're giving it some sort of value or utility so that people want to use the product and engage with that product, spend time with it so that it is really, really valuable. And, and, and that is that sort of experience um, sort of component that, that you're trying to connect that brand with the either avatar or individual in some way that gives it some form of meaning. You know, a lot of this reminds me of sort of the, especially on the brand side of things, and this is just my own perspective on it, but it reminds me of the early days of the app store where everybody rushed to have an app and you would see apps for Domino's pizza. And, you know, you'd have people like me who were skeptical for whatever reason, I don't know, going, why would I need an app for Domino's pizza? Then you get the Domino's pizza app and you realize now I'm ordering far too much Domino's pizza mission accomplished on their side for sure. How much do you think the metaverse will rely in, in the future on a particular, I don't want to say a particular platform winning out, but a particular style of 
hardware kind of being mass adopted. For example, you know, you see various people arguing back and forth between will it be VR? No, it'll be AR. Will it be AR? No, it'll be VR. Will it be either one? Will they kind of work together? How do you both feel about that? Nick, let's start with you. Yeah, I think you made the point at the very beginning that, you know, we've, we've certainly been experimenting with VR for the last sort of seven or eight years. We actually built one of the first kind of branded VR experiences um, way back when. Um, and you know, I think we quite quickly realized that there is a, a, as incredible as the environments and the experiences you can build within VR are, there is a limit to the amount of time you can spend in there um, in a headset being totally closed off from the world um, before you start getting, you know, lethargic and, you know, just sort of slightly overwhelmed with it all. Um, and I think when when people talk about, you know, the metaverse and this, this next kind of iteration of the web, it's somewhere that is going to be always on that people are going to exist in for, you know, hours, hours at a time. Um, and, and I personally think that, that that's not something that people are going to want to do in VR. Um, just purely because it's 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 too closed off from the wider world, mm -hmm. um, and that's where I think uh, you know a lot of the proponents for for this are you know in in the argument for for AR and and once we get kind of closer to to wearables and tech that can overlay information onto the real world in a way that's um, much more accessible, um, I think there's there's kind of a bigger argument for that um, in my mind. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see kind of in terms of the, the hardware providers, kind of who, who really wins out. I know Apple are working on um, a, a new kind of set of glasses that are due to release later this year. Um, and I think really it's about kind of, you know, creating something that, that isn't sort of onerous on the user to, to use. And, and we saw obviously the failure of, of Google Glass um, about five years ago. Um, a lot of the kind of hardware manufacturers are, are obviously very wary of, about um, you know, the aesthetics of that, the user experience itself. Um, so I think in terms of sort of VR versus AR, like in my mind, it's going to be much more in the sort of AR camp. Um, and, and VR is obviously incredible for, for you know, more specific applications. Um, but I think when you, when you consider sort of more you know, entertainment-based experiences or some, some kind of experience that you're going to have for an extended period of time, um, I think that's going to have to be um, some, some iteration of augmented reality for the user to be able to kind of exist in that space for any length of time. Jerry, anything to add? Um, yeah, I think, I think it'll be any manufacturer that really like, like veers away from this kind of closed loop. I, I think, you know, the, the ambition or we talk a lot about sort of interoperability and I think one of the one of the reasons why Fortnite is so popular is is because it was one of the first games that really allowed anyone to play across any platform, which meant that over time you could really invest in your avatar, and and I think as this um, sort of metaverse progresses over time, the 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 kind of the real ambition is to have a digital alter ego that you can invest in and you can take that alter ego effectively for a spin, right? Like, like there are some great experiments already. There's a brand called Artifact, which was recently bought by Nike. And this to me is almost one of the best case studies in that you, you bought a digital asset, which was a shoe. It was a one-off shoe, um, which was incredible. And it was selling for, I don't know, 10, 20, $30,000. You then received a physical one-off of that shoe, if you bought the digital version, 
you could then wear those um, shoes or sneakers in the central land and in a couple of other um, virtual worlds. And you could also uh, download a special uh, snap filter, which allowed you to superimpose that shoe on your physical self and take pictures and share that on social. And, and I think that to me is the expected behavior that, that um, people will have. And I think the platforms that allow that interoperability, that will allow those assets to jump from one sort of platform or game or hardware to another will be the ones that ultimately win because they, they will basically, you know, it's the customer that decides. And if you create greater flexibility and more opportunities, then ultimately that is the platform that, that people will choose. Technology companies getting along. That's uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if there's money to be made from it, then I'm sure they'll find a way. That's true. That's true. You know, one of the, just as kind of a final note, I wanted to kind of, you guys kind of brought this up a little bit. One of the things that has come up a lot in my own conversations with friends and colleagues is if all of these clothing items that, you know, the NFT clothing that I'm going to have on my avatar, you know, they, they cost in the thousand dollar range, you know, number one, I'm never going to have a wardrobe at that price. And number two, I may not even have beyond a pair of pants in that price range. How does that kind of level out a little bit? So, you know, the average consumer can kind of afford, you know, a pair of Nikes for your avatar. I think you're seeing, um, you're seeing a real range um, kind of emerging. So yeah, absolutely. You do have Gucci and Louis Vuitton, um, you know, uh, releasing very high high value kind of items but you've also had um uh, the announcement that h&m um have just released uh, or are just releasing an entire range of affordable um digital items that can be applied to either an avatar or to a photograph simply for you to to share on your social channels um and and i think you're going to see more of that you're going to see more kind of high street brands that aren't in the luxury category um, you know, embracing this as a trend and actually providing people with the opportunity to, to buy much kind of lower cost accessible items that they can apply to avatars of different shapes and sizes. Yeah, and I think if you, um, if you look at sort of, again, going back to more traditional games, if you look at the life cycle of a, of a traditional game, they were always 12-month cycles, right? So you would, you would buy, um, I don't know, FIFA or Call of Duty, and then 12 months later, that game would effectively be redundant and you would buy the next version. That, that model has now changed and, and sort of even sort of Call of Duty, Grand Theft Auto, Roblox, Fortnite, they're all just ongoing continuous worlds where you can invest in your avatar over time. And you know that after 12 months, that avatar and all the assets and wearables around that avatar will still be present. And, and so I think uh, people in general are willing to invest more into something they know will last for a lot longer. And, and I think that also, I think, plays a major role. Like psychologically, knowing that if you're going to spend 10 or 20 pounds for a skin, that skin will be with you forever. Your game mm -hmm. will never be redundant because it's always ongoing and evolving. But that metaverse or that world is just something you exist in and will carry on over time. And those digital and those digital items don't degrade in the same way that a physical one does. So you know you you do have uh, a more solid argument for something retaining its value and you being able to sell it on further down the line in a way that you can't do uh, with physical items that do depreciate. 
No, I'll tell you, Nick, that, that's a scary thought because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, how is Electronic Arts going to get that $60 from everybody guaranteed every year for the new FIFA? And hey, you know, shoes that wear out, that could be a, that could be a thing. Exactly. <laughs> and I think just as we, you know, as, as we strive for individuality in the real world, I think we do the same in the virtual world. And that's where, um, you know, limited edition collections, sort of uh, e even uh, kind of moments in time all help identify our place in these um, worlds. You know, if, if I've downloaded or bought a skin at a moment in time and three years later, I'm still playing that game, that signifies that I'm a veteran and that gives me some sort of status within that environment, right? Mm -hmm. um, or if I've paid a certain amount of money for a skin, that again um, identifies me with a certain subculture or, you know, gives me a unique um, look and feel within that environment. I think those are all real interesting levers that that I think sort of allow brands to really jump in and play a role in that sort of identity that we're creating in the metaverse. Excellent. Well, Nick, Jerry, it's been uh, wonderful to speak to you. Where can people find out more about Imagination? Uh, Imagination.com. Excellent. What could be simpler? Well, I appreciate <laughs> you both being on the show today. This has been fascinating. Thanks a lot, Thanks. Richard, for having us. My pleasure. I'm going to go and get myself that new Halo skin I saw just the other day. I was, I was holding off thinking, you know, what's a guy my age really need with this? And then, uh, you know, $18, I think it was, compared to uh, the Gucci stuff seems like a steal. Bargain. Absolute bargain. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks for listening. For more content like this and to learn about Advertising Week's world-leading events for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries, visit www.advertisingweek.com or follow us on your favorite social media platforms.